Hey, good morning, good morning, guys. How are you today? I hope you're doing awesome on uh, this May, May morning. And it is Mother's Day, so big shout out to all the moms out there uh, that are uh, longtime moms and new moms and soon-to-be moms and just happy Mother's Day. I hope your day is great. I hope you get treated right uh, and uh, you feel the love tonight. Uh, we love you, Mom. Uh, always will love our moms, uh, even those that have already gone on before us. Um, they've played such a critical role in our life, more than we will ever really know or ever be able to describe. And so moms are just so amazing. The most important people in anyone's life is a mom. So thank you, Mom. Uh, we have just finished up our sermon series on buckle up, buckle up. And um, Jesus said many, many really good things about, uh, you know, to the disciples and to uh, people. Uh, truly, truly, I say to you, and uh, we, we should pay close attention when Jesus says something like truly, truly. You're reading through the Bible and you see truly, truly, I say to you, uh, pay attention. Jesus is about to give us something that we don't want to miss. We're starting a new series, and it's called Walk by Faith. Walk by Faith. That is uh, a new endeavor that we're going to uh, be moving into right now. Walk by Faith. What, what, what exactly does that look like? Walking in this world like by faith. Like What does that look like? Like, if I really did that, how would my life be different? Like, should my life be different? Am I doing walking by faith correctly now? And how do I begin to move? Another good question is, how do I begin to move with God in this direction? How do I walk by faith with God. In Luke chapter 17, uh, Jesus is talking to the disciples about a couple things, but he's talking in the context that I want to share with you for a minute is uh, a forgiveness. He says, if a brother sins against you <clears throat> seven times a day and he comes to you seven times, you should forgive him seven times. The disciples, the apostles, are probably wondering, Wow, that's a lot. Like, like somebody wrongs me seven times, I'm supposed to like, just like get over it, forgive them seven times, even though they keep doing the same thing over and over again. It seems hard. To which the disciples say to Jesus, Lord, Lord, increase our faith. Lord, increase our faith. Like, Lord, grow our faith. Lord, expand my faith. Lord, wherever I am today on the Richter scale of faith in you, walking on the planet, God, wherever I am, increase 
my faith. Let's pray. Father, we love you so much. And as we begin this series about faith, walking on this earth in faith, God, I pray more than anything, you would just increase our faith. Help us to see you better, know you better, follow you closer, and serve you greater. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, there are, as you can imagine, there are all kinds of passages of Scripture about faith. I mean, it's everywhere, right? It's the whole point of the Bible, right? Is that we are living by faith. And so there's lots of good scriptures. And over the next bunch of weeks, we're going to dig into some of these passages of scripture about faith. There was a fuzzball floating in front of me. Uh, about faith. And, and for the next few weeks, so we're going to hit on some of the more important ones uh, that, that we'll talk about this topic, about walking by Faith, and it's really important that we, we grab hold of the concept of what faith is and how to walk by faith. How to walk by faith. And, and it really kind of begins with a desire. Like, do you want to walk by faith? Do I want to walk by faith? And do I want to walk by faith more and more, or do I want to walk by faith less and less? Am I, did I, like, neatly put my faith on a shelf when I do certain things in my life or maybe a long time ago I put it on the shelf and I'm just doing my own thing now this topic is huge and the Hebrew writer wrote and said it is impossible it is impossible to please God without faith and so faith is a huge part of our connection to God, our relationship with God, and our life in Christ on this planet. We're in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, and Paul, writing to the Corinthians, we're going to dig into the context of this passage, Paul says to them, for we walk by faith not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. And I want to just dwell on this today. I just want to think about this verse. We're going to get a running start into it in the context, and we're going to talk about what Paul says about this passage and about faith connected to this passage here in a second. But, but I just, just want to really kind of think about this for a minute with you. We walk by faith and not by sight. Sight is everything that we know and see physical, right? We see the mountains, we see the trees, we see our money, we see our bank account, we see everything physically, things we see are sight. We live by sight, right? And most of our existence is living by sight. We live by the things we see. We drive a car, we run, we play sports, we go fishing, we do all these things. It's all by sight. But God says to us, Paul says to us, Jesus says to us today, we live by faith and not by sight. See, this is how you live a life of faith. Living by Faith in Jesus. Faith in things that are unseen. Faith in the truth of what God says is and is not. 
The things that are of the sight are things of the world. The things of faith are the things of eternity. And Paul says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. So Paul, Paul is writing to the Corinthians in our passage in 2 Corinthians. This is his second letter to the Corinthians. And, and the Corinthian church, the Corinthians are the people of a city called Corinth. Okay, in case we, you didn't know that. Uh, so the Buffalonians live in Buffalo. The Burlingtonians live in Burlington. The whatever city uh, add Ian's to the end of it. Like the Ephesians and the Colossians and the Thessalonians, you know, they're all people of the city of the name. Uh, Paul's writing to them and he's dealing with all kinds of stuff in the books of First and Second Corinthians. Lots of stuff. And most of this stuff that Paul is dealing with is not good stuff. First of all, Corinth is right here. It's right here on the map. Here's Syria, Damascus, Joppa, Egypt. This is Jerusalem. This is the promised land. Here's the Mediterranean Sea. And then we've got all this area that is the first and second missionary areas and all the way over to Italy and to Rome. And uh, we've got Corinth right here. And Corinth is between these two big seas. And there's a passage, a water passage there. So Corinth is a very uh, strategic city, the city of Corinth, where the Corinthians live, where Paul is writing these letters to. He has visited these places already on missionary journeys, first and second journeys. And now he's writing to them later on. Uh, Corinth is the capital of a Rome, Roman province, uh, Achaia, uh, it is a major city between these two uh, seas, and it is known for a, a number of things, but, but mostly it's known for like its imports because it's on the sea. Uh, you can get to it easily. And it's also known for its strategic military location. So a great base for military action. But it is a major city, and it's lots of people come to this city. And because of this, and because of... What goes on in Corinth, it has also earned the reputation of being a very immoral and sinful city. Kind of like Vegas would be to us today. You know, it is a place where pretty much anything goes and lots of uh, floosiness going on here. Lots of uh, crime and sex and scandals and evil living and uh, all kinds of craziness going on in Corinth. Uh, so much so that there was a, a new uh, Greek word coined called Corinthian Zome, which means to live immorally like a Corinthian. So if somebody said, man, you live like a Corinthian, that is not good. It's kind of like us saying today, you know, heathen children or, or you know, demon child or, or, you know, we say stuff like that. You live like the devil or a heathen or a... Uh, you know, we, we use those uh, phrases to describe uh, people or adults or kids who are not acting very well, right? Not very well behaved. And so basically what we're getting is the picture of Corinth uh, and, and the way that Corinth was living. Not, not a lot 
different than a lot of US cities today, right? You go to Vegas, you go to California, you go to lots of different cities, major cities, and there's a lot of the same kind of stuff going on as there was in Corinth. People in Corinth are mostly evil. And the problem is, in all the immorality going on around, the church had allowed it to come into the church because the church is made up of people. And so it came in with them, right? There's a lot of bad things going on within the church. And so Paul, in his letters to the to Corinthians, 1 and 2 Corinthians, he is trying to deal with some of the issues that they're going through, like things like this, uh, the division between leaders who we're gonna follow, who's better than who. And uh, there's confusion there and Paul tries to set them straight. Paul's very authority as an apostle is questioned and so Paul brings that up in his letter. Uh, there's a need for discipline because of the immorality. There's a need for people to be spiritually and, and biblically disciplined in the way they're living their lives. Jewish food versus Gentile food. Can we be meat eaters or should we not eat meat according to the Old Testament law? We weren't supposed to eat certain things. Now, through uh, you know Cornelius and, and because the, Jew, or the Gentiles have been brought in and God said, what I have made uh, uh, clean, uh, you can eat. And now there's this confusion in this church about what is okay to eat, what's kosher, what's not kosher. There are worship issues going on in this church and a whole lot more going on. But here in our passage, in chapters four and five, which is the media context that we're in, Paul is talking to the Corinthians in his letter and he's contrasting two things. And I, and I really think that out of all the issues, this is kind of the heart of it. This is the heart of really what's going on. And I think it's also the heart of what's going on in our world for you and me today. What Paul is contrasting is simply this, the spirit and the flesh. Okay, there's the spiritual side of things and there's the flesh side of things. There's a temporal side of things and there's an eternal side of things. There's an outward sign of things and there's an inward sign. There's an earthly tent, there's a heavenly dwelling. Paul's talking about struggles in life, the battles that we face right here, home in this flesh. As we walk on the planet in the flesh with everything around us by sight, but trying to live lives that honor God by faith. And there's this huge difference between the two. Battles that we face, the pain and the agonies and the groanings that we experience here on this earth that we truly battle with. It's very real. These things are very real to all of us. But there's the flesh stuff and there's the spirit stuff. And Paul is trying to help them realize that both are as real as the other, even though one you see, the other you don't. He's comparing these life struggles to, you know, the difference between our home here in the flesh, in the body, compared to our home with him in eternity our home with him in the Lord. And so in 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 4, I want to get a, a running start into this. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 4, if you, got, if you got your Bibles, 
bust them out, okay? Break them out. We're going we're gonna to read some scripture today. Uh, and we're going to start in chapter 4, and we're just going to move our way to chapter 5, and we're going to get to that passage that we started with, and we're going to look at the context and pull out a few things. And, uh, and hopefully, in our faith, we're going we're gonna to learn a few things. I, I, my hope is that we're going to learn a few things about walking by faith today. So here you go. Chapter 4, Paul says in uh, verse 7, we're going to start in verse 7, chapter 4. And remember, this whole thing is about this contrast. And we're, we're going to just look at the context leading up to that point where Paul tells us how we need to set our heart and how we need to set our mind. Are you ready? Here we go. Chapter 4, verse 7. But we have, Paul says, we have, as Christians, we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. So Paul, right away, as we begin this thing, this, this, this contrast, we have a treasure, an eternal treasure in a jar of clay, right? We've got this great eternal truth and promise and, and life of God living in us, and we're just a, a worldly, physical jar of clay. In other words, the outside of, of the, 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 the vessel is cheap and, and not valuable at all, but what's on the inside, the treasure, is of great value. We see the vessel, but we don't see what's inside the vessel. It's this contrast, this beautiful contrast that Paul gives us between the two things. So he goes on to say, we are, he talks about the vessel, the, the clay, we are hard-pressed on every side, but not crushed. We are perplexed but not despaired. We are persecuted, but not abandoned. We are struck down, but we are not destroyed. We always, we always, Paul says, we carry in our body, we always carry around in our body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be revealed in our body. You're just going to hear the contrast through this whole thing. For we who are alive are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that this life may be revealed in our mortal bodies. So then death is, a, is at work in us, but life is at work in you. For it is written, I believe, therefore I have spoken. With the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us with you in his presence. All of this is for your benefit so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Let's pause there for a second. Paul says, look, there's this fleshly body that we're living in and there's this eternal treasure and hope that we have in us that we look forward to uh, advancing in in the future, our, our eternal hope, the faith that we have in Christ. And Paul's saying everything that's going on in your life right now, the physical stuff and the spiritual stuff, in our battle to live by faith, the result of that should be to the glory of God. It should all be for the praise and the glory of God, that God will receive not only the attention and the glory, but that God will look at us and he will be pleased 
at what's going on in our life. That our faith is growing. That we are trusting him more and more. That we are moving away from a flesh-filled life and living more of a spiritual-filled life. A mind and a heart set on him that he might receive the glory. As we said, verse, verse uh, 16, Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly <laughs> we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day, by day. See, outwardly we're dying. Inwardly, the spirit in us is living. It's life. The flesh is death. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. And so we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. That's a key verse. For what is seen, the things of our sight are temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. The things that are seen are temporary. And the things that are unseen are eternal. And this great, wonderful, amazing contrast that Paul is painting this beautiful picture for us of two different worlds. And we're, we're caught up in it, in the middle of it. We see one, but we're to live by the other. We're to live by faith. We're to live by eternal things, by spiritual things, by things that are going to last forever, that are not necessarily even of this world, although they are a part of this world in that God has allowed us to experience eternal and spiritual things. We come to chapter 5 and Paul says this, For we know that if the earthly tent that we live in is destroyed, and it will be, we have a building from God not uh, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. And so God's activity is that he is building an eternal home for us, not just a place where we will go, but he is building us into an eternal dwelling of his. We are the work of his hand. He is building us to be one of his. How cool is that? Meanwhile, verse 2, back to the other side. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. When we are clothed, we will not be found naked. Paul's not talking about without clothing, physical clothing. He's talking about naked as in guilty and shameful and um, broken. See, when, 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 we, when we come into our eternal dwelling, when we, when we are made complete in Christ, all of the guilt, all of the shame, all of the brokenness will be no more. And we will no longer be naked, humanly naked, but we will be dressed in eternal garments, spiritual garments forever and ever and ever, Paul says. He says, For while we are in this tent, we groan in our burden because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed with our heavenly dwelling, 
so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now, it is God who has made us for this very purpose and has given us a, his spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. Did you catch that? Paul is saying like our purpose in Christ is to receive an eternal dwelling with God one day, that we will be with him forever, that we will be dressed in his righteousness. That we be hey, we're going to stop right here and uh, continue next week and pick up right where we left off. Right here, we're going to move into verses 6 through 10. This is kind of the meat of what Paul is saying. <clears throat> All of the uh, context leads us to this moment. And then we're going to look at three things that Paul says in, this ver in these verses that define and help us understand what it means to walk by faith and not by sight. God bless you guys. Have an amazing week. We'll see you next time.